Welcome to Jiri Snacks, snackable episodes about the Jiri exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable. We have an affordable $199 GRE course that includes everything you need to ace your GRE exam. A full textbook, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory enhancing algorithm, and full length practice exams. You can try it out for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast will get you 10% off at checkout. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, please contact me at tyler at achievable.me with the subject line podcast topic. Now let's get started. So today we have got brought back Charles Bibelos, who love having on the show. And Charles, if you could give a quick intro about yourself, that would be great. Sure. Thanks for having me back, Tyler. Uh, my name is Charles Bibelos. I've uh, been a GRE and GMAT tutor since uh, about 2000 or 2001, so more than 20 years now. Run a little company called GMAT Ninja, so GRE, GMAT, LSAT, EA, and um, a lot of specialization now in uh, helping people with test anxiety in addition to the test content. Great. Yeah, that test anxiety part is so important. But today we are going to be talking about time management, which I guess is kind of related to test anxiety, actually, because if you have a strategy, it'll help you feel better about it. Um, But yeah, we're going to give you specific tips for the Jiri quant and verbal separately. So let's start with the quant, because I feel like the quant is something that people talk about time management on that a lot. So yeah, if you could take it away. Yeah, so I, I pride myself sometimes... Um, I'm being a little bit unorthodox with test prep, and, and I'll often give advice that even my really good friends who are test prep tutors disagree with. This is one area where I think pretty much every GRE tutor or instructor basically agrees on what you should do with time management on quant, which is, mm-hmm. yeah, if a question's looking at you funny, skip it, move on. Um, if you want to mark it and then flag it, you can do it on the GRE. It's one of the wonderful features of the test. Move on. Mm-hmm. Don't get bogged down in something you don't know how to do on the first pass. When you're done with the 20 questions and you've you've skipped or omitted as many as you'd like, circle back and start doing battle with the ones that gave you trouble. And the biggest reason that that's really, really helpful, really two reasons. One is obviously you don't want to spend five minutes on question number three right off the bat because then you're going to end up in trouble toward the end of the section. Reason number right. two is that, yeah, sometimes you look at a question the first time through and you have no idea how to solve it. And then you look at it again 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later with fresh eyes and you go, oh, this is what it's about. And it just clicks. And that happens right. to absolutely everybody. For me personally, as a test taker, I'll probably skip somewhere between four and eight questions on a typical GRE section out of 20. Um, are those questions I can handle? They better be. I've been teaching this stuff for more than 20 years. But sometimes they're just looking at me funny and I go, well, I've got an idea. But the first thing that jumps to mind isn't very efficient. The gears are grinding a little bit. And then most of the time mm-hmm. when I circle back through it, it, it works out a lot more efficiently. So really, really straightforward advice. If it's looking at you funny, mark it, move on, circle back to those questions that gave you trouble at the end. Don't waste your time right off the bat on the things that give you a ton of trouble. And again, pretty much every good GRE tutor, classroom instructor is going to say something really, really similar. Right. And also it, it gives you another really nice advantage there, which is that you actually, um, you know how much time you have at the end to work on these problems that might be harder. So if you are like, oh, I know how to solve this, but it's going to take five minutes, right? Which is way too long. But then you blow through everything else and you've actually got 10 minutes left at the end and a couple of problems that you skipped. Now you could maybe do it that way if you felt like it, or or at the very least, you know how long you have to figure it out. Exactly. That's spot on, Tyler. It's like, I, I would love to say kind of rules of thumb and, and say, well, you should never spend more than two and a half minutes or three minutes on a question. And that's not really true on the GRE, because if you happen to have 10 minutes free, you're down to two or three questions. 
knock yourself out. You want to spend six minutes battling one of those into the ground, you know, the last question, go for it if you got the time. So it's a nice luxury mm-hmm. that GRE gives us. Yeah, for sure. So then if that's sort of the, the standard quant advice, then it sounds like with verbal, you had some ideas that were pretty unique and maybe, like you said, a little different than what other people might have said. Yeah, I'm not sure how unique these ideas are necessarily, but I guess I'd make the case fundamentally on verbal that there is no one time management strategy that's going to be perfect for everybody. It, it's just not how verbal works. And you have to start mm-hmm. with the idea that when you look at a quant question, so in that first, let's say, 20 or 30 seconds, most of the time you have some idea of whether or not you know what you're doing. Either it kind of clicks for you right away, you know exactly how to get it started, or you look at it and go, oh, I didn't know this was on the test. Sure, sometimes somewhere in between, but bottom line is that, yeah, you have some sense of whether or not it's worth spending time on it pretty quickly. Verbal, you don't generally have that. If you see a reading comp right. passage and it's three paragraphs long, I don't know how you can look at that and within the first 20 seconds go, oh, this looks like a hard one or this looks like an easy one. You have no idea until you've actually done yeah. it. Well, and not to mention that, like, if you read the whole passage and then you're like, oh, this is hard, I need to skip, like, that, you, <laughs> that's a lot of wasted work, right? You're going to have to reread it later, like, and you don't have time for that. That's it. Usually by the time you realize that a verbal question is tough, it's too late. You've already spent 80%, 90% of the time that you're going to need to spend to answer it. So that whole idea that we have on quant, which is I'm going to skip the hard ones, come back to them, whatever hard is mm-hmm. for me, can't really apply that to verbal. So. What I would argue instead is that we really want test takers to know themselves well. What, where does your time go to die on verbal? And, mm-hmm. and when do you get nervous on verbal? What is it that kind of gets under your skin? So mm-hmm. if you're somebody who struggles on the reading comprehension, either because you feel slow or when you're under time pressure, you start to get squirrely and, and you start reading a little bit too fast and your, your mind starts to go blank because it's racing. If you're mm-hmm. that guy, reading comp makes you nervous or you do particularly badly on reading comp under time pressure, then you could just say, hey, I'm going to go through my 20 questions. I'm going to pick off the reading comp first. It's always going to be 10 out of the 20 questions. I'm going to do those 10 first, and then I'm going to let the chips fall where they may on, on the vocab questions. Um, because some of those questions you can do really quickly once you get to the vocab. Some of them you're going to be sitting there stewing over the vocabulary forever. But if you tend to get squirrely on reading comp or you know you need a little bit of extra time on it, do the reading comp first. That's probably going to feel better. So that's one one time management scheme if that applies to you. And, and reading comp is where you get squirrely, especially under time pressure. Mm-hmm. We can make the opposite case. So method number two, let's say that you're super, super confident on reading comprehension. You're clear-headed, even under time pressure, you feel really good on it. Um, and the vocabulary just kind of makes you nervous. Then maybe you do the vocab right. first, get it out of the way, and then circle back through and do the reading comp. So that's method number two. Honestly, I meet far fewer students who, who feel that way. But occasionally we're into people who have no problem rushing through the reading comp if they're running low on time. They feel great about it. But it's the vocab that just gets under their skin and they feel so much better when that's out of their way first. And then right. method number three. Okay. So this is what I do personally. And I don't recommend this for most test takers because I, I think it requires you to be really, really disciplined on the vocabulary in a way that's difficult. For me personally mm-hmm. as a test taker, and again, embarrassingly, I've been taking the Jerry for 20, 20 some odd years now. Um the hardest thing for me by far is, is the vocab questions. And can I, right. can I ace them on any given day? Yeah, sure. But we're always going to have those moments where we look at two of the words out of the, the six on sentence equivalents and go, oh, I, I almost know the definition of that, or I kind of remember it. 
And it's really, really easy to drive yourself nuts sitting there going, well, I've heard this word before. I remember seeing the word Blythe on a Jiren exam I took in 2013. I remember it that well because it drove me nuts. And I was sitting there going, I've heard the word Blythe before. There's a play called Blythe Spirit. Now, what could Blythe possibly mean that would apply to a ghost? Because it was a play about a ghost. And so I sat there and just stewed on it. That's my Achilles heel on verbal as a test taker. I can drive mm-hmm. myself absolutely batty overthinking vocab, uh, vocab words. Right. So if that's the case for you, your approach could be that you're going to go through. So let's say the first question is reading comp. You just do the reading comp systematically the way you normally do. Then when you start seeing vocab questions, what I personally do is I'll skim through the words and go, am I comfortable here? Do I know you know, all of these words or nearly all of them? Then, okay, I'm going to do the question, do it systematically, do it carefully, move on to the next one. If I scan through the words and there's a couple that I don't know or a bunch I don't know um, or a bunch that I'm not confident in, that's where I'm going to mm-hmm. skip it because I know that my tendency is to get really stubborn and go, oh, let me let me overthink these words until I can figure out the meaning based on some, some time when I think I heard it. Um, so if you have that weakness, then you can do, you don't necessarily have to save all of the vocab for the end, but what you can do is say, okay, I'm going to look at these. Reading comp, I do it on the first pass. Vocab questions that look easy to me, do it on the first pass. The harder mm-hmm. ones, I skip them and come back. Yeah. Well, those are, it's great to get, those three methods outlined. And I think that the, um, the question that I would have for you is like, do you feel like there's a place? And I don't know if this, I I don't know if this is like similar enough to what you had already said before, but there's like a place for trying to essentially do one question type at a time. So you like only do the vocab ones and skip all the reading comp as soon as you see them, just so you don't even bother or the reverse of that. Well, exactly. Right. That is kind of the first, the first method is, do the reading comp first if that's where you tend to kind of need to make sure that you have that focus time without the clock pounding in your face. Do the reading mm-hmm. comp first, then do the vocab second. Method number two, flip it around, do your vocab first, save the rest of your time for reading comp at the end. And then method number three is kind of that hybrid. Um, the other thing I should add here about verbal that I think is super, super important. Y- you can't really have to questions. So let's say that you're just slow verbal period and no matter what you do you can't finish on time let's say that in your 30 minutes you can do 17 questions reliably and there's three you can't do okay well if that's the case for you sure if if you tend to be better or more efficient at reading comp maybe do your reading comp first vocab second maybe it's the other way around if you'd rather that those the three questions that you don't get to are reading comp then start with the vocab that's totally fine but either way, like whichever sort of time management strategy you use or whatever sequencing you use, I think what's really, really important is if your speed, when you've maximized your efficiency and you're at full energy on test day and 17, if that's your limit, you can do 17 questions, don't try to turn that into 20 because then what's going to happen is you're going to scramble on six or eight or 10. And you're going to, mm-hmm. if you try to save that 15 seconds by going a little <clears> bit <throat> faster, you exponentially increase your odds of making an error. So what I'd right. much rather see out of somebody who's who's just slow is do 17 questions or 18 questions carefully, systematically, and and, and as well as you can, and guess on two or three. That's not going to destroy your score, especially if your goals are pretty modest. So don't try to half right. do questions. Do the ones you're going to do. Skip a few. No problem. Right. And the GRE also, something we talked about um, with, your, with your friend Irfan, I believe, um, is that the way that the GRE essentially questions are structured and the scoring is done 
is that you're penalized more for missing an easy question than you are for missing a hard question. So if you have a hard question and you know it's hard or you think it's hard, you know, you can guess and skip and flag, right? Um, and do all that stuff because if you get it wrong, it's worth less negative impact on your score than if you got an easy question wrong. So that, that's sort of emphasizing the importance of getting those 17 right rather than trying to, you know, rush through and then you answer all 20, but you maybe only get like 12 right. That's spot on. Exactly. Nobody's going to give you a trophy for finishing all 20 questions. Sure, you might as well fill in those last three, but nobody's going to give you a trophy for reading all 20 questions. And mm -hmm. you're just going to hurt yourself if what you do in that scenario is you do 15 of them carefully and five of them really sloppily. I'd rather see you do 18 really systematically blind guess on the other two. It's, it's going to come out a lot better for you. And you're spot on. The test penalizes you more for missing the easier questions. So the ones you can handle, do them, do them systematically, do them carefully. And then the ones that are harder for you, just let them go. Don't worry about it. It is not going to ruin your day, especially if you're not shooting for a perfect score. Great. Well, thanks so much, Charles. This has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Charles Bibelos on the show. You can try Achievable's GRE course for free at achievable.me, and you can use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout if you like it.